We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is the Immortal Minds episode, what, 27, 28? We're, we're on to a big one, but we got a very special guest. We got Nitro joining us. And for those who don't know, Nitro is a legend of the CSGO scene, one of the biggest names in North America. You look at his career at just 25 years old. He's made $920,000 in just prize money, putting him at 101 overall on the planet. So, First of all, Nitro, how does it feel not to be in the top 100 of earnings because Alicia has stolen that spot from you by $6,000? <laughs> it's funny because we used to always like look at that stuff and uh, he would always be like a little below me and then Keith and Jake would be uh, a little bit above me. So it was like a little like fun jokes that we'd have with that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, you guys are all it. <laughs> You guys are all winning, and now you have an opportunity yeah. to win even more money. You've made the move from Counter-Strike. You officially announced your retirement from Team Liquid in August. A lot of the staff members saying he's an immediate Hall of Famer for us. Uh, what a legend. He's done so much for this team. We're all going to miss him. There's not a single person who said anything negative about you throughout your career from everything I've seen. Everyone's always enjoyed playing with you, and one of the, the things that's been reiterated from a number of players, coaching staff, and more is just your versatility. You are a guy that has played multiple roles throughout your career. Somebody who has been able to just fill in the gaps 
and make sure that the team is able to perform at the top tier. So can we talk about that before we get into the Valorant depth? Because Valorant is a game that requires versatility across the board. Um, but for someone who has seen it from a hardcore tactical shooter like Counter-Strike, where did you start as a player and what was your play style? How did you evolve and what is your current role? How do you describe your play style now? Um, so whenever I was first becoming like an, a, a pro gamer, I would consider myself like an entry, like just cracked the young kid, just trying to like get out there and impress people. But um, eventually over the years, I would try to like, if, uh, if a teammate was struggling, I would try to pick them up and like maybe we would switch roles to, for the betterment of the team. And uh, eventually that happened for like every single role in the team. And uh, I became like a very hybrid player. And then um, nowadays I, f I feel like I'm at my best Whenever I can kind of control the pace of the game with like a, I know I know it's kind of cliche to say like the role of of the omen and brim is like a controller, but uh, you 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 can like kind of control the game, even though it's kind of cliche. But uh, I don't know. I feel like nowadays, like for me, the best thing that I can provide to a team is being the secondary caller because I can. I'm always reading the game, no matter like what the situation is, and. Um, really like trying to focus on what the enemies are doing and how we can exploit them. So it's really hard. Like I always have the IGL mindset, even if I'm not the IGL on the team, I'm always like trying to look for expertise, like positioning or like whatever they're doing with map control or retaking map control and stuff like that. Um, I could go on all day with that kind of stuff. But um, right now I am, I feel like I'm pretty good at helping out Josh right now at the secondary IGL role. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. So Josh being Steel, Steel is officially yeah. your your caller. And then how much would you say you're contributing? Like if you had to scale it on a 100 scale, is it 60 40? Is it 50 50? How much do you chime in? Maybe like 80 20 or 75 25. It's not really that much. I mean, he has a lot of experience in the IGO role. So um, I don't really have to help him too much. But whenever we're struggling, I'll try to get my input on like what we should be doing or what uh, what I think will work in that in that round. But uh, yeah, it's not that much, honestly. But uh, he knows that I'm always there to help him. So I think it's good. I love that. We're going to be diving in quite a bit uh, into the team and how the team was built and all the dynamics in a bit. Can we talk about the transition, though? And Dan, before we get into that transition, can you give us the background? What did you see from Nitro as a player and all of years commentating him in the CSGO world? Yeah, I think, I think it's one of those stories to me which was one of the first great stories of just showing the versatility um, and just sort of an identity switch for a player at, at a high profile, with, with kind of a high profile team. Because I think that generally speaking, most of the early greats um, were sort of known for what they begun to be, well, they were known for what they were known for to begin with. For example, if you see Olaf Meister, right? Olaf Meister's name, everybody knew him as, as the king, as an extremely dominant player. Uh, mechanically extremely good, very aggressive, and all these kinds of things. Like that playstyle was set in stone. We never saw Olaf Meister sort of reinvent that identity. And there's a lot of different players like that. And if a player kind of drops off, it's more about chasing that identity. I think Nitro to me was one of the first players that just showed because the team needed it, just a complete identity switch from, um, as you said, like a kind of cracked young aimer to a star, and, and from a star rifler to a uh, an opera and an in-game leader, like really huge switch. And the only other player I can think of that made that switch at a top level and made it look really good 
was I think Chris Jay to me, I think was also as impressive because um, he was someone that he didn't go to an AWP IGL, but he went to a rifling role. And before people didn't think that that was, you know, a possibility for him. So so that versatility um, and that willingness to kind of change your identity, I think is a pretty brave and uh, pretty awesome asset to have on your team. And I think, uh, you know, obviously Nitro will be able to, to tell us more about that, but that is something that, to me, in Valorant, it seems like a very important skill set, being able to reinvent yourself. It seems completely just at the core of what it is to be a Valorant player from what we can see so far. So so that's something that is the the most important standout quality to me, just looking at him as objectively, you know, from a, a, a right. commentator's perspective. So, so Nitro, with all that said, I think uh, Dan just reiterates what we've all heard. It's like, you are the man who can do everything. What about your game made you think that you could take... I guess just take over Valorant. Like you, you're obviously in a point in your career where you don't need to compete for prize money. It's going to be great to continue with the lifestyle you're living right now. But what brought you to this title? Why did you think you could go pro in Valorant? Um, well, everyone always asks me, like, like especially like fan members and stuff that don't, don't really know about the game. Like, oh my god, you switch games? Like, it's such a big deal to them. But I'm like, it's very similar. The mechanics are very similar, but it's like. Basically, I say it's just Counter-Strike with abilities. I tell everyone that that doesn't okay. really like know too much into the game or think too much into it. And they're like, oh, okay. And like that kind of just ends the conversation. But I mean, there's so much more to Valorant than like people think. And it's honestly really cool. And like it's there's so much room for innovation. Like people there like there's no like like quote unquote standards. And I really like that about the game right now. So like there's room for creating like mid is and like people copy people are gonna be copying a lot of strats and stuff like that and i really like that aspect of the game and there's not like really a number one team that's like everyone's like dominating or you know what i mean like it's not like there is an astralis like of of the game yet but right. uh and i'm kind of thankful for that but but uh I, I i like it because there's like there's grounds for it and like people can keep on impressing and creating new strats and like i don't know the mid is always gonna be changing with new agents new maps all the all like new weapons like i don't know there's so much cool stuff with it and i figured that if i put my brain to it just like anything i feel like i can really change the way people think about stuff and uh and it was like a very good it was very good timing for me too as well with uh all the stuff going on with liquid so it was there yeah, big big changes towards the end of your career you leave the counter-strike community and a lot of your fans chase you and they didn't care what team you went to everyone knew you would have your pick of the litter we had like new york's and box team looking to sign players we had luminosity still trying to solidify their lineup all these big name orgs were still looking for players to add to their roster but you chose 100 thieves walk us through that decision were you courted by other teams were you on other people's radars or were you just coming over from Counter-Strike saying, you know what, let's just rejoin with Hiko and build around that? Yeah, like whenever I first stopped, well, I say stop, but I was still actively looking for a team in CS, but um, I was kind of just like laying out all my opportunities on the table and really picking the one that I thought would be like the best for my future because I'm getting a little bit older. I'm, I'm not saying I'm old, but I'm getting older in the esports scene. And uh, I feel like whatever my next decision is like needs to be really important especially considering I've been on Liquid for five and a half years. So like loyalty is definitely a thing for me. And I want to stay like with an org for a while, just like I did with Liquid. So uh, eventually like I, I saw Hiko was struggling with, with the other roster or whatever. And then we decided like, yeah, like let's make a team. And obviously having a good background with, with, with Spence uh, really like suffice it for me. But obviously I had other opportunities to join teams, but 
ultimately I decided on hundred thieves because I like their brand. I like everything about them. And I like uh, Spencer and, and also the opportunity to, since it's like a new game, I really, I really thought it would be cool to like create a, a roster um, instead of like just joining one. But there were opportunities like to join a roster, obviously, but I thought that creating a roster would probably be the best for me because I kind of like handpick who I want to play with and stuff. And oh, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I had like a, I really didn't have too many opportunities on Counter Strike. Um, like, not too many people were looking to make roster changes with all the majors and stuff going on, all the roster locks and all that, all that good stuff that's always been there forever with Valve, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you as well about that process because it is, there's so many things that are really different to CS. In t and, you know, for better or for worse, you know, CS has a lot of issues in, as you were sort of mentioning, there's, there's no sort of, let's say, like transfer window. So it seems kind of messy to try to secure new players on contracts or to figure out whose contract's ending. When is it before a major? Is it after a major? Like there's so many different questions when you're trying to grab players. And it, it seems like in Valorant, there's a lot of things that are, are a lot easier in that sense. And obviously I wouldn't imagine that the contract prices are like as high or many buyouts or, you know, so, so it feels like generally speaking you know just thinking about contracts that's easier or will be easier going ahead in valorant as well as the schedule and also just it doesn't feel like you're going to get you know astralis versus virtus pro it's a bit of a throwback but astralis versus virtus pro you know every weekend for example in a super high profile matchups and that, that would be at the detriment to the to the to the esport in general because uh, you know you don't want to be showing stuff constantly this game has so much nuance to it tactically and and showing stuff that hasn't been seen before is 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 uh, that's like you want to be holding on to that for as long as you can. So those matchups wouldn't really work. So there's like lots of differences in that sense. You know, coming into this game as a as someone from CS, as someone that has experienced and maybe has gripes with some of the the things that never seem to change in CS. What were what are some of the things that you're most looking forward to being different? Um, well, obviously, for starters, working with Riot and Valve are two completely different things. Um, <laughs> I feel like Valve did. A a really poor job at managing their own game. They focused a lot more on Dota, it felt like, personally, instead of uh, Counter-Strike. And they didn't, I don't, I, to me, it feels like they didn't know what they had with Counter-Strike. I mean, Counter-Strike is, like, probably the best game in the world, or, like, ever. But, like, just the amount of things that you could do in it and, like, all the rival rivalries they have in it and all the different amount of teams and stuff. So, I don't know. I just think the game's been around for, what, 20 years, and it's still, like, the most one of the most popular games in the world. I mean, has that ever happened, really? Probably not. But uh, it's really cool to work with with Riot, especially now, because I know they've done a really good job with uh, League of Legends and stuff. So for me, it was for me personally, it was kind of cool to like work with a new company. I'm not directly working with them, but I'm playing their game. So yeah, um, but it's still like something there, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, I mean, so far it's been all right. Like I'm kind of upset that they're changing stuff in the middle of a tournament, but. It is what it is, and everyone has to be forever adapting and stuff like that. Everyone's playing the same patch, so it's a even play field and stuff like that. For those who aren't familiar, can you walk us through, like, as a player, what are these changes that you're having to deal with? Uh, we're in the middle of first strike, by the way, where we've done the closed qualifier and the open qualifier, qualifier through NSG. We're now into UMG's second open qualifier. So, Nitro, what changes for you, though, as someone who has made it through the closed qualifier and waiting for that next leg of the first strike event? Um, well, we were actually having a discussion yesterday about it, and we're trying to figure out if we're playing because they just they released a, a new map called Icebox, and we're trying to figure out if that's going to be in the main event 
the December uh, main event, and I think it is. And we also think that Sky is going to be allowed because in this, I'm pretty sure in the UMG and the Nurture Gamers that um, Sky wasn't allowed and Icebox wasn't allowed. So, you know, these next like couple of weeks, we have kind of the edge to practice over these teams um, with Icebox and then also with Sky. Um, a lot of teams that are practicing nowadays aren't really, they're saying like no Sky allowed or no Icebox. And uh, we're going to have to like find teams that want to practice this map so we can kind of see like where we're at with this, with the new map and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I think us qualifying was was really, really like clutch just because of all the changes going on. It was like super good timing because now we have like almost a month of practice, well, not like literally less than a month of practice. So um, like even before when we went to the Cash App compound, um, like Riot like randomly moved the dates up like four or five days of the tournament. So we had like like one and a half day of boot camp or something. And I mean not boot camp, but like actually being a person, like we met each other. We had like one day of practice and then we had the tournament. So it was like super hard to actually get accustomed to everything there. Um thank God we qualified in the end. But you know, the second uh qualifier that we played in where we played in CSM and stuff like that, and we actually had like four or five days of actual boot camp. So we actually learned a lot during those, that little short span of time that we had together. And uh, I think it really came into fruition. I love it. Dan, do you want to jump right into First Strike? We can talk about the team later. Or uh, I, I do want to hear real quick, Nitro, you were mentioning the interest in coming to Valorant and joining a team where you felt you could be a part of the roster evolution. So how did the, the team get built? Can you walk us through the, the steps real quick? How did you get to your official five-man starting lineup? Um, so obviously I actually spoke to Josh like months ago about Valorant and what his thoughts were on it, uh, steel for people who don't know. Um, and we were kind of just like talking, like, do you like the game? Do you not like the game? What's, what do you think is good about it? And all these kind of things we had, a, I think it was like a, we had a conversation like between like an FPL game or something <laughs> like we were waiting for the cue to pop and we we're just like chatting. But, uh, he was like, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like, I know his situation kind of sucks with getting banned and stuff like that. So it might be like a really good out for him and his career. And uh, eventually I was like, like, because uh, it was a really hard decision for him to change games because uh, Chaos was actually doing really well in, um, in, in ACS. And I know it really took a lot for him to like want to change games, but eventually he did. And uh, so now, so then we got me, uh, Hiko and Steel. And then the other two spots, we tried out for like two two to three weeks of different kinds of players, all kinds of players. Um, I don't really want to go into too many names, but what we found, we found ourselves uh, really comparing all of our tryouts to Dicey and Asuna. Um, like we would try out like two, like, I don't know, like duos or like just one and one. And we always found ourselves comparing them to them too. And we're like, yeah, well, we think they're probably better together. They have like a little bit of chemistry together from coming from Immortals and stuff like that. So, you know, at the end of the day, we we decided to go with them too. And I think it was a, the best decision that we could have made. And um, Were you guys yeah. looking for duelists the entire time? Because if you look at the recent agents that were played, it's a lot of Jet, it's a lot of Rays. Um, a lot of times for people who are unfamiliar, you're entry fraggers, the people you're expecting to be at the top of the leaderboard. Did you build kind of a, a core support team with the original CS heads and then look for young fraggers or was this just happenstance of what you ended up with with Dicey and Asuna? Um, no. So whenever 
so they were like, especially Spencer and uh, our coach Hector, he was, they really were giving me the opportunity to play whatever I wanted. And we were kind of like fine, whatever uh, person we wanted for the right role around me, I guess. And uh, I was IGLing or I was going to IGL at the time. Well, okay. I was IGLing whenever we picked up um, our two two players. And uh, I was trying to like jet op, like Counter-Strike, like jet op IGL. And it was so hard. I don't know why it's, I couldn't do it. Like it was so much harder than picking up an op in CSGO and like calling. I don't know why it's a different game, different amount of variables, variables I guess. And uh, it's not like everyone has the same amount of utility. So it was really difficult to to like gather all the information in my head while trying to be a crazy jet opera and, you know, have like that insane impact that most jet operas have. And I was like, well, I can't really do this. So if I'm jailing, I don't really want to uh, jet op. And then I found myself playing Omen a lot. And I was like, well, I can really control the pace of the game with that. Like I can do smokes whenever I want. I can keep my team updated on like when the next smoke's coming up, like 35 seconds later. Uh, I have like the best flash on the game to like for executions and stuff like that. So I found myself really enjoying Omen in that sense because it helped. It allowed me to IGL properly, and uh, eventually, like we changed. But I just stayed on Omen because it felt like pretty good for me. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Was it um, something that was difficult to figure out in terms of? like the whole dynamic with the team and it, because it feels like uh in terms of IGLing and the, obviously you know we have steel you know, doing that it, was there a lot of back and forth with these decisions was it kind of a contentious point i feel like um if i'm just looking at the team i feel like we've got you know three super experienced players with enormous legacies it all you know within their own right steel eco and yourself nitro um was that kind of difficult to figure figure that out or was that kind of just like a very easy uh team chat and just slotted into place uh, it kind of just fit in a place to be honest. Like our playstyle nowadays is we kind of like me, me and Spencer and Josh. We kind of try to set ourselves up for like clutch situations, um, because we know that like we'll win like most of them because we have a lot of experience, especially against like most Valorant players because they come from different games. Where clutch and Counter Strike is like very similar of in this aspect of like outplaying your opponent with time and you know bomb plant, post plant retake stuff like that. So. Um, we try to set ourselves up for clutch situations a lot of times. And then we try to set up Dicey and Asuna for um, getting like aggressive entry frags and um, like defensive pushes on certain maps and stuff like that. So uh, we try to have them stick together a lot of the times unless we're just doing like a, st a standard round. But yeah, it's, it's, we have, I think we have a really good dynamic going. Awesome. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 
Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonus today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Um, maybe it's a good time to jump into first strike, Chris. What do you think? You're muted, mate. <laughs> Not go. anymore. I was like, there oh my god, it's my fault. I'm messing up. I, I hit the super button that mutes everything. Nice. Uh, Nitro, it's been a lot of fun to watch you on Omen. And I do feel like you can make those decisions as Omen and pos- reposition yourself really well and, and support your teammates with the uh, global smokes incredibly well. And you did that throughout all of First Strike Tournament. Um, let's talk about your guys' tournament, though, because... This was the first time that 100 Thieves had been seen in competitive Valorant since August. In August, they yeah. ended it. That was the old lineup with Venerated, Valiate, Pride, your boy Dre, and Hiko, uh, the, the PUBG kids. They get let go. You guys start rebuilding. How long was this five-man crew together before the qualifier? Because we hadn't seen 100 Thieves from August until the very end of October. Um. Well, we had... I think we were playing with them for a little bit. There was a little bit of problems with like um like some org stuff like that, but we were trying to practice as much as we possibly could um going into or just like building our team in general because we didn't even know first check was a thing whenever we first created our team. Right. But we really wanted to have a lot of time to practice to have like a really good debut for our roster. And I think we had like a, about a three of three weeks to a month or so, I would say, around that time and then like four Five days of boot camp. So, and, and that boot camp, that feels like something that's not happening a ton right now, especially with the pandemic globally. Were you nervous at all? Like, whose idea was it to have everyone fly out and boot camp together in LA? Um, it was like the Oregon, all of our ideas really. Um, there wasn't really like, I, I don't know, I don't really like to want to talk about too much about like the po- political side of COVID, but. Um, like we all have like company protocols and stuff like that. So we're all super safe and all the stuff that we did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just like, we're kind of like in our little bubble, but it was fun. We had a really productive bootcamp and a uh, really good tournament run in LA. For those who don't know bootcamp, it's basically you all just get in the same room together. It's what we used to do before the internet. And we <laughs> still do now if you want to really prepare for an event. Um, yeah. So you come into the first qualifier, and I feel like if you look at the qualifier list, you guys faced off against the best of the best in North America. You had to face off against Moon Raccoons. Uh, that was a 2-1 victory. And then Dignitas was a 2-0 victory to get yourselves in a position to play TSM in the round of eight. That TSM match went 0-2. And you said after that, you put in five or six days of boot camping, and you really got ready for then the the closed qualifier where you had to face off against luminosity twice and you lost to cloud nine. Uh, but you got that rematch against TSM. So can we start there? What did you learn from the first time you played TSM in the open qualifier to then to owing them in the closed qualifier? It was OT by the way. So very close second game, but it seems that you guys made some huge adjustments along the way. Right. So the first time we played TSM, it was like, we found ourselves 
um, not playing our own game. And it was like, we were kind of like tried to look too much into them instead of focusing on ourselves. Because we found out like, especially in this game, it's not like CS in the sense that there's so many random variables that can happen. Like people are changing, like especially in the old patch, like Sentinels are changing positions every round. You never know where the camera is going to be. You never know where the trip's going to be. You never know where like Omen's going to be. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different random things that people change. And it's really good for the competitive environment. Like everyone's changing positions. So you, it's hard to um, anti-strat really. Okay. But um, we had like the short boot camp, like the four or five day boot camp. We changed a lot of stuff um, uh, for TSM. And I think we played our own game. We were super confident in ourselves going to that into that specific best of three. Because I think it's just like Counter-Strike in the sense that if you lose a best of three versus a team, I feel like you have the upper hand going into the next one, even if you're the weaker team, because you, you learn from your mistakes, right? You probably learn more when you lose than when you win. So um, we, we definitely learned a lot after a VOD review of the TSM match and stuff like that. And we played our own game and it went really well for us. After that matchup, you had to face off against Sentinels. What were your expectations going into that series? Because now we're looking at the round of four. You're already a semifinalist in your, your first ever tournament as a team. Um, I mean, we actually never played Sentinels on a scrim before that match but it was it was like kind of like they were like half trolling like i'm pretty sure like sinatra picked the wrong agent for whatever reason it was probably <laughs> so just a seating match but i mean it is what it is but we got the the win at the end of the day so that's all that really matters um i'm not too big of a fan of playing this many matches just for seating especially when there's like another qualifier like it's kind of weird right. very weird dynamic but it is what it is, and we have to accept it at the end of the day because we're professionals, and we try to win every match that we can. And um, I think, if to me, it felt like they they started trying harder on the second, the next two maps. Split in, I think, what was the second map? I forgot. I gotta go I remember, right, to like, be honest. <laughs> there's yeah. been a lot of Valorant. Yeah, yeah there's together. a lot of matches. It's so hard for me to remember a lot of the stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't really know what to say. What else to oh, say? You played, about it? you played Bind and Haven for those two maps, by the way. Okay, yeah, and then uh, finish on sp- or split Bind Haven. Right. Yeah. Okay. So split and Haven. Yeah, those maps were super competitive. So as a um, as a very quick just like uh, side thought, what are your what's your general feeling on the maps right now in the game? You, because there's a lot of criticism and, and complaints here and there, but. Uh, at the end of the day, as you said, as a professional, you know, the, your job is to just go in there and, and figure out the best way to crush it. So do, do you have any uh, quick thoughts on the situ- on, on where the maps are right now? Are these going to be maps you're going to be happy playing for a long time? Yeah, I really like uh, I like Bind and Ascent a lot. Um, I think it's cool that they have like a teleporter and, and then um, Ascent has like doors that you can close and break. I think it's really cool. It adds like a really cool dynamic to the game. Um, Haven is a little bit weird for me, especially with the Sentinel nerf now. Um, like baby teams aren't gonna be running Sentinels as much and they'll be forced to like push more on defense than they already were. Um, so I'm excited to see like what happens there. Um, but I think the maps are pretty good. I don't like split in the icebox that much, but then again, like I haven't played icebox competitively yet, so um, we're gonna see how that goes. But I, I'm not a fan of the split design. I, th- I feel like if I were to change something on the map, it would be like something with the ropes and make mid like an actual viable thing instead of 
uh, defense having to put like something in the ropes, like a, an alarm bot or like a trip or something. Um, instead, of, so they'd have to be put like a body there instead of like a PC utility. Got so it. maybe make it like a ramp or something. You know what I mean? Like that, not this right. like rope that you have to go like Tarzan, but I don't <laughs> know. Yeah, I don't like split that much. Are you are you excited to have a fifth map? in icebox just so that we can have best of fives without repeating the same map or would you rather play the same two or three over and over again i'm definitely a fan of having more maps to the map pool um it's, it's kind of weird to have like th like four maps and then they have uh like if you're higher seed, you get one veto and then the other team doesn't get a veto like that's just kind of weird to me mm -hmm. but then again i might just not be used to it i don't know but um yeah, I think having five maps is is good. I think eventually, hopefully, we'll get to like seven ish, like kind of like CS:GO. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, the one yeah, saving grace to me with Icebox, despite some of the complaints, is is at least that it's very different. So if it is like kind of the Vertigo process in CS:GO a little bit, it took it took a lot of attention for Vertigo, as it did also Cobblestone. Cobblestone had to. I mean, I actually am not even a fan of how Cobblestone ended up, but love it. just there was a lot of uh, <laughs> uh, reiterations and then sort of amendments as time went on. And and at the end of it, you had a map that was was functionally very different to the other maps, which makes for more diversity in in this in skills and and the viewing experience and playing experience. So I'm a fan of that. So hopefully they figure it out. Yeah. I feel like every map has one agent that is just kind of super strong. Um, if you are looking at Icebox, the agent that comes to mind immediately is Sova, just with the amount of area you can cover trying to attack the A site, and of course B being wide open and yet still so many corners for people to hide in. Do you think there's going to be one agent or one role that is going to be critical to success on Icebox just through the early plays that you've done so far? I think anyone with like verticality, so like Omen, Jet, Raze, Sage. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. So Maybe Brim not. Can't jump, Brim can't jump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Phoenix can't teleport yet. Yeah. So I think anyone with like verticality is going to be super good on the map just because of the amount of like places you have to be in to get to like, like a heighted, I don't know, heightened block or something like especially on the a side like there's so many different 50 50s and like different head angles that you can get in that are just favorable for you but yeah i think like i don't i, I don't know I, I can't see too many people running so on that map actually because there's so many like obstacles that you can hide behind to block darts and stuff like okay. that i don't know like we've been having discussions about like what comp we think is best and uh i think breach is going to be super good on that map because like you could flash you so many different crevices and walls and stuff like that and then you could also use this uh, aftershock to like clear out like corners, which is like, there's like a million corners on the A site, for example. Um, his stun is going to be really good for like the B B part of the map because there's it's just like a runway of crates over there or whatever. So I think yeah, we've been like kind of toying with like what comps we want to play, and we haven't practiced yet, but we're going to start practicing uh, next week. Just theory crafting. Do you think it's going to be flash based? Is it? going to be surrounding like breach initiations like how do you think this map is going to play out a or b heavy what's like the early impressions here by the way my whole sova comment chat 
was first of all, I've been watching nothing but Sova videos to get my shock darts down. And second of all, I've watched a a stream of uh, tier three Valorant, I should say. I got a chance to just <laughs> do some scrimmage watching when the map first came out and the Sova was top fragging. He just knew all of the shock dart placements <laughs> for retakes. But let's, uh, let's talk about the pro level for tier one guys. Is this just going to be fast and furious hits on the sites? How do you see this this map playing out? I think it's going to be kind of slow, just the way the map is laid out, because you got B, you got mid, and you have A. A is going to be super hard with like there's so much verticality in A. It's going to be kind of hard to like get past that certain big giant like I think people call it nest or whatever, where you first go up the giant ramp. Um, as a attacker, and and then you got mid. I think mid's gonna be uh, getting stuffed all the time with utility, because obviously that's how a mid is in any map, really. Because you want to yep. focus on mid, right? So you don't get split. And then B, I think, is actually really defense sided because, um, it's like this little. It's like it reminds me so much of like train from CS:GO and one and one point six because you gotta like go underneath the thing. It's like super like uh, narrow lanes. It's a, it reminds me so much of train. Like I always said that. So I think I think it's. I mean, someone asked you yesterday if it's going to be more a defense or attack sided. I really don't know yet. I f- think it's. I feel like it's going to be defense sided, and eventually be attack sided. That's my like initial okay. thoughts on it. And I say that because people are going to be brainstorming more on defense. I feel because um, it's. So there's so many choke points that people are going to be using their utility in different ways and people are going to be playing different agents. So it's going to be super hard to counter that initially. And then I think eventually it'll be attack sided because people are going to learn how to like do proper executions and try to like use their ults together. I don't know. It's, it's, I was like so many ideas in my head. It's so hard for me to put it on paper though. It's all game. good. Don't <laughs> give away the secrets to success too early. We haven't even seen it played yet. <laughs> Um, Dan, I'll let you lead this next group, but at the end here, Nitro, for the final 15 minutes before we get into AMAs, I'm going to ask you to compare yourself against every NA team. I want to see how 100 Thieves stacks up as an IGL or secondary caller. Are you trying to ask me to rate myself? No, not yet. Dan, sorry. Uh, did you have other questions before <laughs> oh, we move on? Um, so there's, there's, just so, there's so much. I think one thing that's particularly in- interesting about your story uh nitro is that you're probably the again you could have gone to any other tier one team at some point again we talked about how it can be kind of finicky with contracts and 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 timings in csgo and finding the right team might might take some time but you could you could have stuck around and probably gone through that route but you did make the jump across to valorant and um you're the first i would say like high profile tier one player that's done that and has actually chosen valorant over csgo uh should we expect that to happen more or do you think that you're more of a, a an exception to the rule right now? I think it's going to happen a lot more in North American Counter Strike, just because of like the pandemic and how it's affected uh, NACS and stuff like that. But um, I'm not entirely sure like what everyone's, what every Counter Strike's pro, every Counter Strike pro's thoughts are on it um, yet. I really haven't like been researching too much, but. Um, if there's anything I could say about it, about the transition, is it really is a fresh start. It's a fresh start in the sense that like, you get to play with new teammates and a new game, and it's always fun learning. And if there's one thing John's ever taught me or Legion's ever taught me, it's like if you're not learning, you're not having fun. So, um, 
and I'm definitely learning every time I play Valorant, every single day, especially in rank too. Like I learned even in ranked. Like if you tell me I was gonna go learn something in a matchmaking and CS:GO, I tell you there's no possible way. <laughs> like the <laughs> game's been around for so long, man. Are we gonna get a, a you know maybe a uh, a few performances or maybe even a switch from Elise at some point? We've we've heard uh, that Elise is, is godlike at this game, and it's not too surprising. He, you know that is just he's just he's just a god. So can we expect Elise? <laughs> you think in the future? Do you think he'll come away from CS? Uh, I haven't really talked to him too much about transitioning. I don't think he's going to do it anytime soon, though. I think he's too good at CS right now, and he knows it. <laughs> True. Fair enough. Yeah. Damn it. Please <laughs> <laughs> come over. Now. We're ready. He filled in for T1 at one of the first tournaments, and it was yeah. so fun to watch him on Breach. He just picked it up instantly and was crushing. Um, can we talk about a few of the players that you expect to see make the move from CS? Because you're not the only one who has made the major transition and is already on a Tier 1 team. Who else do you think would be capable of making that move or is in a position to eventually become a Valorant pro? It's hmm. a hard question. I'm not really sh entirely sure. I feel like a lot of the like Tier 2 teams in NA can all do it. Um, I think... Yeah, like SOM and DAP's transition, and I think they're doing pretty well so far. Um, the thing is, whenever you switch from CSGO to Valorant, it's such a big change in like the way you think about things. Like, It's not like CSGO at all in the sense that like everyone has a smoke molly and flashes and nade. It's like you have to take into account like so many more different variables, like I was saying earlier about anti-stratting, that it really, it really is like a different beast in terms of like utility and getting like information provided to you and there's like you, you find out there's like two B or like two coming up short on like buying next thing you know they're like teleporting to B so you have to make sure you keep somebody at B on buying to like be ready for that. Like there's nothing like that in Counter Strike. So like right there is like a huge learning curve and something that we had to learn over like multiple scrims of over rotating. And I think like over rotating is like one of the biggest things that amateurs make in this game. And uh yeah, I think, yeah. Do you think there's like a type really of knew. CS pro that wouldn't transition well? Like, because it, as you say, like it, there's a lot of extra stuff to take into account and CS moves a lot slower in terms of the meta. And there's a lot of players that can get away with having extremely good mechanics and, and can focus on a, a mechanics first approach. Do you think that's, that's, a, that's a thing? Or do you think anyone who's, who's already reached the top level in CS is going to be okay? To transition over. Um, that's a hard question because I haven't really seen too many like CS players transition or that I played against at least that I'm like, damn, this guy sucks. Like, you know, like <laughs> usually people that are good at CS like are like already naturally going to be good at Valorant and like have good aim and like decent mechanics. But I think once like the CS player learns like the spray pattern of the phantom of vandal and stuff like that like they already have the aim right it's just an fps basically um it's not like hit scan or anything so um csgo has like natural ability ability csgo players have natural abilities over like overwatch players in my opinion because you gotta like control the spray and like we've been doing that for our whole lives so it's like it just comes naturally but i don't know that's something also like that we were looking at whenever we were looking for players is uh we weren't just looking at CSGO players, we were looking at 
all the different kinds of like we're looking at Overwatch players. I'm not gonna say league players, but like all the other FPS games um, for our roster because we didn't want to be like too arrogant in the sense that like CS go or die, you know, like right. yeah. like we know that there's definitely gonna be natural talent. Like for example, Dicey didn't really. I think Dicey says he has like two or three thousand hours in CS:GO, and he's like already that good. So like to me, like that's really impressive for a kid his age, especially because he doesn't play that much CS, but he's like already he doesn't make like too many mistakes that I think a seventeen-year-old would, would make in a team environment at a, at a really 17? high level. Seventeen. Yeah. What? <laughs> I thought nice. he's at least nineteen. Okay, so how old is Asuna? He's seventeen as well. You just picked up children, Nitro. Yeah. <laughs> How it's, old were you when you started your career? Um, I was like, whenever I joined Liquid, I was like, I think I was eighteen or nineteen. Okay, it's funny. It, do you think? Go ahead. I was, I was, yeah, it's funny because I was um I was talking to Josh actually. He was asking me when he when he made the the jump across. He was asking me if I knew of any like uh, uh you know young aspiring talents because you know you guys were like looking to fill out your roster and. And it, when he came down to it, he said he's just just looking for some like super young cracked aim- aimers, basically is how he put it. So <laughs> it sounds like that's that's it all worked out. So that's great. Uh, speaking yeah. of Steel, he's in the chat with us. What is the worst part of teaming with Steel? <laughs> mm, probably his farts. Oh, <laughs> I believe that. That's the drawback of the compound. What's the best part of teaming with Steel? Probably his persistence. He never gives up, ever. Yeah, nice. I think uh, his career has showed that. Super Steel, fragile. He's a loyal yeah. man. Never gives up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> real quick talk before we get to the AMA. Uh, Vandal or Phantom? We ask everyone this. I just tweeted that yesterday. What was the answer? I don't read your tweets. Uh, I think I said, like, my mind is telling me Vandal, my heart is telling me Phantom. I don't know. I really don't know. It changes every day. (laughs) I like that. Uh, And and now we only have about 10 minutes before the AMA. So I do want to ask about the big teams because I know a lot of these questions will come up. First Mm -hmm. of all, do you have a rival? I know you've only played in one tournament, but you guys are scrimming all the time. Is there like a a bit of a rival or someone that you really enjoy playing against for just pure success at the end of that matchup? Hmm. I think there's like a little rival rivalry between like us and TSM, but I kind of want to beat C9 since they beat us last time. For me personally, I don't have like any like vendettas against people that play Valorant, but mm-hmm. I don't like losing, and I d- definitely want to get revenge on teams that beat me. So that's just how I am. <laughs> I love that. What what is it about C9 that gave you guys trouble in that matchup? Because this is a, a series that I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, we'll see it again in the next qualifier later on in the tournament. I, um, I think they just outplayed us. It wasn't. I don't really remember it too much. I'd have to review the VOD again. But I think the matches were pretty close. Actually, I think we threw a couple of rounds. So I don't know. I think I think Sinan is a team where like they could beat us any day, and we could beat them any day. Um, we we practiced pretty well versus them, but. Yeah, I think they have a lot more experience in this game so far, but I think next tournament will be more prepared for them. When it gets to TSM for the third meeting, you guys are both 2-0 and against each other in your individual matchups. In the third meeting, how would you describe the stylistic matchup? How do you guys compare? 
I think it's going to be more of like a um, whoever prepared the most or like changed the most stuff. Um, for example, like pistol rounds. And it was funny because we did a pistol against them on ascent on our attack and they did the same exact pistol on our defense and we had like four people there ready for them. It just happened to be like that. It was really funny. I even spoke to Jaron about it later. I was like, nice pistol. And he's like, ha <laughs> But uh, I think it's really cool. It's like, like, cause next time we play them, it's going to be like kind of like a mind, mind games kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like we have versus Astralis in 2019, 2018. Man, that was so like, <laughs> there's so many mind games going on against Astralis when I was playing them. Whenever you play someone like a certain amount of times, you, you just like, they're, it's, yeah, people say like whenever you go to like overtime, like four or five overtime is like straight like mind games. Like people throw all their fundamentals out the window. They're like rushing B on a, on Inferno when it's like fourth overtime trying to catch the opponents off guard. I think it'll be something like some crazy like that when we play TSM. I hope so. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'm in for the big brain chess competition. Let's talk yeah. about Sentinel's matchup here. Uh, you were able to edge them out 2-1. You mentioned Sinatra doing a little bit of a troll pick or accidental agent selection. But if you if you match up against them again in the future, how do you feel you match up against them stylistically again? Because previously you mentioned Sentinels is one of the weird teams, kind of a meta setter in their own right, didn't play what everyone else was doing, and is always moving around their agents and their positions on the map. Um, I think since we don't practice against them, really, it's going to be us kind of like doing a lot of uh, prep in terms of like VOD review and stuff like that, and then mostly focusing on our own game. But I think role for role, I think we match up really well versus them. Um, like I said before, that we haven't practiced against them like ever. I don't think we streamed against them one time. So it's kind of hard for me to make a judgment call, but I think we will match up uh, well versus them. Looking forward to that. And then finally, you knew this was coming. The Envy matchup, it was a best of five, but it only went to three games with Envy uh, having some decisive victories in that. Were you guys ready just to be done with the tournament, knowing this was just for seeding? Um, did we see you in full force? Are you able to learn much from this first matchup? Can you describe that finals for us? Yeah, I think the finals is really weird for us. I think uh, having a best of five for seeding was questionable on in terms of the TOs side of things. But at the end of the day, I think they were dude. They were hitting some shots. Like they were they were not missing shots at all. And uh, I don't really. There's not like too much to say about it. But they were outplaying us. I think they're a great team, and I think they're probably one of the best teams right now. I would say like top two right now in NA at least on a, on any given day. Who's the but, other two? Or who's the other team in that top two? Uh, I mean, TSM slash Sentinels, I guess, just in terms of like straight results. Um, I don't think we, I think we still have to prove ourselves to be considered like ranked right now. I think we, because only one tournament, you can't really base a team's ranking off any like one tournament, you know? Because, yeah, we'll, like, we'll have to see what, whatever, what happens during the December finals for sure to really make a call. Excellent. Dan, feel free to follow up. We got five more yeah. minutes before AMA time. Yes, it was it was really interesting watching because uh, I did um, a what analysis of your match against Envy on Bind from that finals uh, on Wednesday, and it was it was really interesting because what you just said kind of rings true. Basically, it, my takeaway was that everything Envy did on the defense on Bind was kind of perfect, like and and anything that could have. Let's say me maybe being an opening for you guys, someone on their side hit an insane shot. 
and and yeah. so they they not only were they winning uh, most of the game on just hitting the shots but the, every single play they made um like for example if it's like a if it's like an early like push somewhere um like they had this uh, cool little set p- uh, little set nade from rays to kind of retake um the garden on. ultimate orb yeah and that kind of like mm-hmm. just the, every single time that you make a play like that it just was working out against you guys and 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 sometimes like when you make those plays it's like it's still a win to just get that area of the map at that time of the round because you get the information but they were kind of getting the maximum value out of everything so it looked like one of those bouts where every like like you said next time you guys play them i would expect to see a pretty different result just because they showed quite a few things um there and you guys didn't have any ability to yeah. kind of respond to you so so yeah it, it's an interesting one I, I speaking of this um this this quality of playing against teams at the top level do you see it playing out differently in the future? Because we had Astralis be having maybe the best and most dominant era in CSGO, but this game has maybe more variance, you could argue, uh, to it, because it's less, it's, it's of course about fundamentals, but there's so much strategy and tactics that can change match to match that can, and you only have, you know, it's an MR12 and not MR15, so there's less rounds to, uh, you know, correct. So do you think that it's going to be harder to be on top for a long period of time and to have an error? What do you see the future of the game looking like in that sense? Um, yeah, I think for sure it's going to be harder to have an era. Um, I think the skill floor is like really high in this game. I think, for example, the Moon Raccoons match, like these guys were like, they felt like, like they, I've never heard of many of them, but like they're, they were playing really well, especially as a team and individually. And, uh, I think that caught us off guard a little bit because they almost knocked us out of the qualifier. I think we won in overtime like twice or something like that. They're like super close matches. I'm like, damn, like these, like these kids came to play for sure. Like they really wanted that win. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be harder for teams to stay on top. I think this game is more prone for upsets. Um, like because like pistol rounds, I think matter way more in this game than they do in CSGO. Because um, there's, like you said, it's only it's MR13 or whatever. So uh, yeah, pistols matter a lot more. You got two pistol rounds each half or one pistol round a half, which. Pistols are still RNG for me, just like they were in Counter Strike. Kind of just like a gamble, like pick a like it's like strat roulette for pistol rounds for me. Okay. And yeah, um, I think we'll see a lot more upsets like from random teams than on the big on the bigger names in this game than Counter Strike for sure. That's exciting. I love that. I'm also scared about that for the long term health of Valorant esports. Like if you have a league, say, with the top 16 or top 32 teams on the planet, and they're getting upset by number 128 or yeah. 72. Like I, I kind of worry about that long term. Um is it a good thing though for the top tier teams to always have to worry about squads they've never heard of or or tier two, tier three competitors? Or would you like to have a more consistent group that is kind of playing on the same meta? I think it's good for them to worry because that that naturally will make the competition a lot more difficult. Um, like every like so basically like for every game, no matter who you're playing, you have to really like make sure you're on your A game and preparing for it, and not just like going into the game like whatever like with the whatever attitude because there is a chance that you get upset, and especially in this game, you know, because in Counter Strike, like if we were playing like an open qualifier, Liquid would be like, yeah, whatever. It's like I don't know, Moon Raccoons, like who's that? You know, it's just like. In this game, I feel like it's it, it's really hard to um, like you, you'll get ego checked a lot. I feel in this game for sure. 
like someone some dude will like come out of showers like one tap you like well these dudes came out to play for sure like dude ranked is so hard like i don't even know where to start with that stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm like these guys are like legends man and ranked <laughs> yeah i forget who it was that said it but if uh i don't know if it was shazam or who it was we had in the show but they were saying like hey you know when you're playing matchmaking and you and you get like it feels like you're playing against the best player in the world. Like, so it's like, you get that feeling all the time. Someone just absolutely dominates you. Um, with that yep. said though, um, we have uh, reached the top of the hour. So it's time to switch over to our Ask Us Anything segment. So if you guys have any questions for Nitro, myself or Pocket, please throw them in the chat and we will be sifting through them and, and delivering them. We had some really good questions earlier, and we're going to get to those in a moment. Uh, this was one, and I can't remember who asked it in the chat, but what mistakes did you see or missteps in the world of Counter-Strike that you think we should be aware of on the Valorant side and that we could avoid completely for the overall health of Valorant esports? Hmm. It's not really like a community thing, but... I would just say like communication among like pros and community and, and riot. Like there's like the biggest things that I think that's like the formula for creating a good game, a good competitive environment, you know, because like, I feel like valve never really like they would only talk to pros at the major and like you would talk to them and it would feel like they wouldn't even care or they would, it seemed like they would care, but they would never do like whatever you talked about. Right. Right, and they would just kind of do whatever they wanted with their. Own. I mean, it's respect because it is their own game. But at the end of the day, like, I feel like trusting a pro is probably like the best thing that you could do for competition. Just my opinion. I might be a little biased, but yeah, I think if there's one thing that I would tell Riot, it would just be like just to communicate a little bit, just to help the game. Just talk to us, guys. It sounds like they're already doing that. Uh, we had Drone on yeah. the show. He mentioned he got to go play Sky early. Love that they're they're getting you guys involved early on. DaBaby7773 exactly. wants to know, who do you think are the top three best NA players at the moment? Uh, I hate this question so much because I feel yeah. like it's it's like, I would say like, if I was going to be asked a question like this, I feel like it should be like, what do you think the best jet is or what do you think the best omen is because there's so many different roles in this game it's not like counter strike but if i had to answer that i would just probably say like, i think tens is obviously probably number one um it's, it's so hard to answer honestly well, I, I can, can we give you a follow-up to that because you said tens and i think a lot of people would you know tens is on their lips uh, with this kind of a question and someone asks, I, I also missed the, na the name, but somebody asked, what, what do you think it is about Tens, you know, that he's so successful in Valorant, but he, he kind of failed to have uh, any sort of, you know, relatively similar success in CS? I believe Tens is a superstar player. Um, and I think C9 does a good job at setting him up individually. And he plays Jet, which requires a lot of uh, teammates, uh, communication, reach flashing for him you know like a lot of coordination in that sense and i think i think his team sets him up really well for success and i think that's what makes him shine whereas in cs i don't think he was set up for success in that game and maybe he's better at valorant in terms of mechanics and stuff like that but that's just my like that's what that's what i think 
Peter Yeezy wants to know, did Nitro plan something after he retires someday? So first of all, let's break that into two questions. One for me, one from Peter. Uh, did you plan on still playing when you left Counter-Strike? Did you want to still be a pro player? Uh, yeah, I did. Whenever okay. I first stopped playing, like I said earlier, like I kind of laid out my opportunities. Um, first, my, my primary decision was to look for a Counter-Strike team. And then secondary was kind of maybe like poking a Valorant a little bit and see if I liked it because I didn't really like the game too much before. Like I enjoyed playing it, but I wasn't playing it every day because it kind of messed, I feel like it messed with my mechanics in Counter-Strike. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to switch. Like if I go play Counter-Strike right now, I, I would not be that good. Like there's just no way. Like Moving I played the other, much. I played one time with Russ like a week ago and I was like, this game feels so much harder than it was before. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's different. After you retire, what would you want to do? Have you given any thoughts to that? Um, I would like to do something in esports still. So like something helping people, like or just providing like input or or something of my like experience to help a team or an organization to make sure like they don't make the same mistakes that I've seen in the past. But I don't really know. Like I, I don't have a college degree. I I basically have your have experience games. will get you any job in esports you want. Your resume and your experience as a pro player will be such a huge additive to any organization. Don't you worry about finding a role after you're done playing. Yeah, um, that's what I'm hoping for. Dan, you see any other great questions in the chat? I see a bunch of them. Yeah, if you already uh, showed up today, this which is awesome. Um, There's a lot of Nitro love, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, who's the bigger beta, Steel or Hiko? I think I know the answer. I knew it. <laughs> All right. That was a nice and easy one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you guys keep... This is from the rainbow underscore. Do you guys keep an eye on the EU side? If so, which teams do you look at most? Uh, yes. Um, probably G2 and Liquid. I think uh, G2 literally like releases their VODs of like them playing. But I take it with a grain of salt because I feel like Sometimes they don't play with the best teams, and like the, it seems like they're kind of just like going with the flow, kind of trolling a little bit. So I'm like, eh, it's, it's, it kind of looks like a pug, honestly. And I kind of like don't look too much into it, but it's kind of cool to see how they communicate and like what comps they're picking and stuff like that. And uh, like how they're executing bomb sites, where they're smoking, where they're flashing, and stuff like that. So I definitely I like to do research on on European Valorant. Who are the biggest brains in Valorant? Biggest brains? Hmm. Yeah, I know it's probably hard to judge that when you're playing against them. But <laughs> is there anyone that you're just like, damn, that guy's smart? Um, I think Juren's really smart. I think I like uh, my friend Aaron Boy from Ambox is really smart. He's good at whatever utility he has. He's he's very good at um using it like to his advantage or to support his teammates. Um, who else? I think Josh is a really big brain for the game. Um, Steel was waiting for that answer, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. I think I like, yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to answer. I haven't talked to too many people, but I think T1 is really good and smart with stuff like uh, Fraud and uh, AZK and stuff like that. Um, there's no other really names that come to me right now. All good. 
Uh, Nefarious Brad, what is your normal practice split? Like how much time reviewing other teams' VODs, coming up with new strategies versus scrimming, streaming, etc.? So we usually play a little bit more during boot camp, but online we'll usually do an hour and a half of theory slash VOD review, depending on like if we played a match or not. Or if we just want to like, if someone wants to bring something to practice, we'll do about an hour and a half of that. And then we'll do... We'll do three scrims, and then we'll have an hour break just to get off the computer and rest our eyes a little bit, and then we'll do two more scrims. And then we'll usually do like a little meeting afterwards to discuss what we're going to do the next day of practice or if anyone brings up any concerns um, from like the whole practice day. Nice. We have uh, another question from Seven Ways who asks, which team has the most unique play style when you have scrimmed against them? Ooh, I like that. (laughs) <laughs> um, hmm. I think MV has a really good fundamental play style I don't think that's too unique though I think TSM's the same I think probably I mean my team always jokes about it. I think it's what's their name is it BBG or something with Rob Wiz yep like that guy's crazy dude he does some crazy stuff <laughs> so probably them <laughs> nice Right. Uh, yes way. Sorry. Originally, Nitro was coming in as the caller for 100 Thieves. What was the decision behind making Steel the in-game leader? Yes way station. Um, Good one. It was kind of like a, a brief conversation that we had about um, kind of loosening me up a little bit in terms of like just fragging-wise and then having Josh call and uh, play Sentinels. And this is like really early on. Like we made the decision like maybe like two week, a week or two after we made our roster. So like I wanted to be the IGL, but once we picked up Josh, I kind of like, I kind of didn't want to be the IGL anymore because before, <laughs> like even on Liquid, I was, I want, I'm not going to say I was forced to do it, but I kind of just like did it without even thinking about the repercussions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Whenever I took it from Sanazal and uh, I don't know, to be honest, I like IGLing, but I really like secondary IGLing the best. So if I had the opportunity to do secondary IG, I would do that all the time, any day of the week. And Josh allowed me to do that, so I took it. Nice. That's awesome. Um, we have a question from Josh F., um, who is asking, what do you think is the biggest unexplored aspect of Valorant in terms of pro play? The biggest what? Unexplored. Uh, unexplored. Um, I don't know really how to answer that. It's kind of hard. True. I was wondering what I my feel like I, would... hmm. I think for me, it would just be like Viper, basically, but just because she's played the least, but... I think people don't know how to lurk, to be honest. I, I think... I feel like this game is... I don't know if you remember Get Right lurking in like 2014. I feel like mm-hmm. that's the best way to lurk in this game right now, honestly. Can you describe that for those of us who aren't 40 years old? <laughs> <laughs> so the gear right lurking is basically like you change up your lurk every round so you're unpredictable, but you are you go late. You try not to be like an aggressive lurk. You try to be like a super passive lurk. Mm-hmm. So, for example, on Haven, you try to get someone like to bunny or whatever people call it, like us maybe like somewhere outside garage or you go C and then you like flank T or CT spawn after they hit A. You go super late, like once they're literally like they just start their they start their retake and then you go. And then you make 
you try to make them look for you before because the, the fun thing about lurking is like you know that you're always in the back of their head especially if you kill them one round you know they're gonna be looking for you the next round so you change your position to make sure that they check that and they're like oh he's not here and then you go from another position and then you reflank them and it's like the most satisfying thing in this game <laughs> but uh yeah i think uh that's what we call the get right lurk because the get that's, right lurk. That's how he used to play. The legend lives on. I love that so much. Get right challenge is another legend. We'll talk about that on a future show. Um, yep. Can we talk a little bit about this? Is another good one from Yesway Station. Which Omen mains did you look at slash study when you were personally learning to play that role? Honestly, I didn't look at anyone. I, I liked how Angel played, but he played Brim, so <laughs> it was kind of counterintuitive, but. Um. Yeah, I didn't really look at too many omens. I didn't really think there were like too many good omen players. And I think, I think, uh, if I were to look nowadays or recommend someone to look at, depending on what your play style would be as an individual, I think Sabros is a really good aggressive, Sabro, uh, aggressive omen. And then if you watch me, I'm more of a passive slash lurky omen. So every every player has like different play styles, and it's, I think that's something cool that this game brings as well as like no matter what agent you play someone could have a different play style from player x to y and i think it's really unique in that aspect we have time to in one more quick one get it dan go did, did you have one yeah i did real bring? quick go, uh, go who would be the most pissed for getting knifed in the back in valorant right now if you wanted to insta trigger somebody who are you knifing mm. Probably knife steel, <laughs> <laughs> just because he's he likes to play like a rat. <laughs> I love that. You can't outrat the rat. That's what he always says. <laughs> I love it, man. Dude, I hope they fix knifing in the in this game actually, because it feels a little bit weird yeah. still. It's really weird. It's just like, I would never, I would never go for a knife in a really like an important situation. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, it is. It's uh, you know. Thank you so much for joining us, Nitro. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on this show. Um, it's uh, it's always really good to you know hear hear your thoughts and and I think uh, I think I speak for everybody to say that we're super excited to see where your team is going because you guys haven't been together for that long and you're already doing a really really good job. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. Absolutely, yeah, and for having me. Do we know when are you guys on the big stage next? Uh, your next matches will be in the finality of the NA First Strike Finals. So who are you guys playing? Do you know uh, the first round matchups or the dates yet? Uh, they don't know the first round matchup yet because there's still qualifiers going on, but I think December 3rd. Love it. Is December 3rd. Check out 100 Thieves and Nitro. They're crushing second place in their first ever qualifier. We'll see what they can do when we get to the final portion of the First Strike event. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Dietro, is there anything that you're doing that you want people to know about? I know you're not big on streaming, but have you, have you got anything like that plans that people should check out? Uh, I got a YouTube, but it's just like stream highlights. I plan on doing like guides eventually Ooh. with different agents and uh, stuff like that. So if you want to check it out, it's just Nitro. That's my name nice. on YouTube. Follow this man on the socials. Chris, what you got going on, man? 
Oh man, up next, I'm about to call, uh, commentate Call of Duty. There we go. Call of Duty Cold War just dropped. Then I'm going to be playing a lot of Valorant later tonight and throwing my games as I continue to suck with the Phantom. I'm trying to make the switch from Vandal. Uh, and then just a whole lot of shows this week. Looking forward to our, our next week episode. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us as well. Um, I'm going to be hitting up a competition in about 40 minutes. So, um, and where can we watch that? Yeah, I'll be uh, actually. So yeah, I'll be. That's thank you. That, what a great layup, man! You're just you're just the best, Chris. Um, yeah. So DDK TV, I'll be streaming it on uh, on Twitch at the top of the hour, and I'll also be doing a pretty hot giveaway as well. Um, we'll be getting a Hammer Miller giveaway on on there as well. So what? You guys, you're giving uh, away a chair? Yeah, we were a getting a sixteen hundred dollar chair, Dan. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you guys have that to look forward to. Um, and for those of you that missed the. Uh, uh, miss this broadcast we'll be sending it on to youtube as always on the following day so tomorrow and we'll also have this available on your favorite podcast app of choice whether that be ios or for android and you know make sure that you check us out on wednesday as well we'll be going live at 10 pacific with another vod analysis i'll probably take another 100 uh, these envy game actually most likely um so with that said uh thank you so much for watching uh you can stay on the channel if you like we will be hosting we did He's actually pretty awesome to watch and very informative. So go give him some love. Thank you all. We'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.